Welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What up, what up? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. Today we've got someone incredible on the show. David Clark is an incredible guy, ultra runner, a recovering alcoholic. This guy got up to 320 pounds, but if you saw him now, your mind would be blown. This guy's insane. His mind is incredible. Uh, I can't wait for you to hear this episode. But before we jump in, uh, we've got a listener story. Our listener stories are the the pride and joy of this show. It it really solidifies w- what we do around here, which is to persevere through adversity and to overcome uh, the challenges and obstacles that we're facing in life. So, uh, Morgan, uh, let's just jump right into that story. For 12 years, up until two months ago, without researching it, I entered into a methadone program here. The oxycotton mushroom cloud may have covered the entire country, but southern West Virginia was ground zero. As a coal miner, you're always beat up, looking for anything to get through the six-day week. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into, but after using oxycotton for over a year, I knew I'd gotten too deep very early, and I wanted out. Without knowing it, I was getting into and started a methadone maintenance program. I didn't realize it, but I had become more addicted to methadone than I ever had of oxy. But nonetheless, it was prescribed. Sound familiar? For 12 years, even though I was a su- successful at work, I had risen through the ranks, become part of a mine rescue team, traveled all over eastern U.S., competing in mine rescue competitions, and entering hot mines. I even had lunch with the governor of West Virginia for winning the state first aid competition. I had become a mine foreman, spent years as a fire boss, spending my days walking the whole coal mines looking for hazards and violations. I was a functioning addict. But after 12 years of this, I had had enough. I had been wanting out for years and finally found the courage to quit. I decided to take take time off work, quit cold turkey. I wanted to go through withdrawals and remember it. After about two weeks, I was sick and my willpower was running out. Then I stumbled onto your 100th show with Rob O'Neill. I had already been following Marcus for years, the Seals and Rob O'Neill also after the Fox special. I had always gained strength from team guys. But after that podcast and also the Fireside Talks, it helped me with the strength. Like Marcus said to the Bama football team, tell myself, get up, you're being a bitch, and let's go. I mentally drew a line in the dirt one more day. I crossed it and drew, and drew another line. That podcast had been a godsend when I was at my weakest, my worst, and my mo- most pathetic. Thank you is all I can say for sharing how, as team guys, you learn to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. I don't know how you say it, but so much of what you have conveyed hit home with me and gave me strength and willpower. It's been over two months now, though I've detoxed. I'm now dealing with the emotional stuff. 
But I'm hanging in there in part thanks to you guys and to all the team guys out there speaking out about your creed, your ethos, and your mindset is inspiring and extremely helpful. I wish you all long and healthy lives. Never out of the fight. Right, Marcus? Aaron, thank you so much for sharing this inspiring story. God bless and Godspeed. Never out of the fight. If you love the TNQ podcast, please share the show with a friend. The show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon, and pretty much any other podcast player. We've got a ton of great episodes and had some incredible guests, including David Goggins, Laura Logan, Sir Robert Van Pelton. Look, if you're already following us on Facebook and Instagram, then you know that we keep our followers up to date with new gear, sales, guests, events, and a ton of other stuff you won't get anywhere else. Anywhere else. Anywhere else. If you aren't following us yet, you're missing out. You can follow us at team underscore never quit. You can also keep up with Marcus at Marcus Latrell Morgan. Like when you say my name, oh, yeah. you have to do it. You can, <laughs> you can also keep up with Marcus at Marcus Latrell Morgan at Mojo Latrell and me, Andrew Bruckenbush. That's good, man. Have you checked out our new gear we've added to the TNQ shop, the new shirts, hats, and backpacks? No matter where you find yourself, this stuff never quits. Head over to the shop, teamneverquit.com, and get yours now. All right, let's get into today's show. Yeah, before we get down, my brother brought you in here, and I'm so stoked to meet you and, and learn all I can about you, man. But uh, could you get just let's get a little background how sure. we got into this whole how how you yeah exactly yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait to hear this. So and me and yeah, for me and the listeners, yeah, give us the uh, <laughs> the bio. Well, I mean, how I got here is because you and I, you and I, Morgan met at the Leadville 100, crazy 100 mile foot race through the Colorado Rockies that uh, kind of became ground zero for me starting a whole new life. So if I like back way up, you know. 14 years ago, I was 320 pounds, you know, alcoholic, food addict, fast food junkie, man. My, my, uh, my life read like one of those, uh, you know, side effect warnings for prescription dr- drug, like may cause, you know, diabetes, high blood pressure, herniated discs, nausea, paranoia, depression. That was like, that was my life. I got all that. As I, got all that <laughs> I didn't even need to take it. I would give any, anything if everybody could see what I'm looking at right now, because you look like the elite of the elite athlete. I mean, you, that, even man. the way you carry yourself, the way you talk, and it's amazing. When I was reading your book, uh, your second one broken open, see that picture when you were three twenty. Yeah. Just seeing you now, I, I, I'd have been like, so obviously no. you weren't doing ultra runners when you're three twenty. What, what what caused you to get into that? I, I into was that doing chassis? ultras, but it was more about like how much whiskey ultra, I could drink ultra, and drink ultra, it, still be ultra, able to blink. Ultra, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I think that that's. That's really it, man. Like if you look at change in its purest form, right? Like, cause everybody wants to like lose weight and get healthier and, and make these kind of minor changes in their life. But, you know, I, I hear that a lot and, and I, and I take tremendous pride in it that, that the tr- change in my life has been so dramatic and so extreme. And I think that that's indicative of the fact that I changed everything about my life. Like, I think what happens on the outside is is just a reflection of the change that occurs on the inside. And if all I did was change my diet and started, you know, doing some marathons or recreational running, sure, that would have had a profound effect, but I don't think it would have been as dramatic. And I think that's, um, 
I'm sure we're going to hit on all these different topics, but I think that's the the beauty of rock bottom. Like we were all talking before we jumped on the podcast about Lance and these people that have had all of these things, tragedies happen in their lives. And mm-hmm. it's not, it's not like the bad stuff that happens. It's what we choose it to, to, to mean. And I had so thoroughly destroyed my life. I mean, I was, by the time I was 29, I had a, you know, I, I grew up homeless. I had, I had no structure, family structure, I had nothing. I was an educated. And by the time I was 29, I'd worked my way through college and got a GED and I had an $8 million a year company. And I had all of this stuff that like, if I would have ever made a list of what do I need to be happy? I had it all. I had kids. I had, I had, you know, marriage and house and success and all this. And I was still miserable inside. And, and I, and I blew it all up. I mean, I blew it all up. And the beauty of that is that it allowed me to say, I got it all wrong. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I always joke that I changed, I only changed one thing, everything. And <laughs> when I changed, you know, so I, I, my social media, I call myself, we are Superman. And the reason I did that is because there's this like juxtaposition of how Superman was um, just a regular guy. On, on Krypton, right? On his planet. He didn't have any superpowers. He couldn't fly around or do anything. And because his world blew up, he had to move to a new world. And in that new world, he had all those powers. Sure. And, and I think that's like, I think that's my life in a way, man. I, I, I don't live in the same place I did. I don't think the same things. I don't certainly don't do the same things. And because of that, the change has been dramatic. And in the first part of that, we're, you know, we all have that one sin inside of us. Mm-hmm. You can either use it one of two ways, man. You can learn all about it and use it to protect people from it, or you can abuse it, chase that first sin, like vanity. I kind of want to be like, you got everything you want, but you're still not happy. That means you're 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 a vehicle in the wrong race, just like you're getting beat up and everything. And it happens when we're young and we're, who we grow up in the environment we get to see and everything. That's probably one of the problems with the millennials is they see everyone's environment except the one that you were born in and kind of around you. And the early part of this, that's the that's your training platform. That's to get you through because you're going to run into that stuff on the outside. We all have our own realities. They're perfect by themselves. We create, you know, you stand in front of the mirror, talk to it, play it all out, man. The problem is when you run out in the open into somebody else's reality. If you're not prepared to deal with what they're throwing down, that's when the good and the bad happens. Or the, the opposite of that, like we were talking about earlier, there are no good and bad times. There's just the time, the timeline, and, and everybody's different in that timeline. We all came in at different times. And if you run into somebody who's been in here longer or going through a different part of it, man, it, it could be complete chaos. And if you do get to that point to where there's always one, something else, right? Like set a goal for yourself and get to it. And then we said, you'll go out and make a million memories and save a dollar from each. Go back and live them back, right? right. People are so, it's, it's funny, at 18 years old, man, they're in such a hurry. To, they go to, yeah, I got to leave this house and everything behind. They get into college. Four years later, they get out and they want the exact same thing they, they couldn't get away from four years ago, right? Mortgage, house. Like, but in the truly, the way Mojo and I did it, man, the first part it was just training. And we had each other. Learn out as much as you possibly can to figure out which which way you were supposed to go. There is no rush. I mean, you can't speed this up or slow it down. All you can do is get yourself into uh, some places you weren't supposed to go because you got ahead of yourself. <laughs> Let me ask you this: because we're good, we're good buddies with Dave Goggins, and you know he'll tell you he's like I, he thrives on misery. Mm-hmm. But I got to ask you, why ultra running? I mean, that's the most because I've run ultras before. Obviously, we we, we talked about that, but that is. It's got to be different for everybody. I got. I just got to be curious why you you chose that because you started out with marathons, but then it catapulted you into into ultra running. Yeah. I, I got to know why that why you why you would inflict that kind of gluttony on yourself. 
The most ironic and beautiful thing about Ultra is that it gives you lots of time to think about these things like, why would you do it? Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no, yeah, because you have to all your head. A lot of time on hands. <laughs> you know, for me, man, it, it represented, you know, a lot of things, but ultimately, I think I was really afraid. You know, I, I, I acted out in a big way. You know, I, I was that, that big egotistical guy, you know, I had to bully my way in business and, and, and make sure I got my way and, and take advantage of people, manipulate people, do everything I could to, to out hustle other people. And I think it's because, you know, I didn't really know who I was. I didn't really have any true connection sense of self, you know, and I, and I had this like crazy amount of confidence, right? Like it's that, that, that really ironic thing. Like you're an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. Right. And so I was always afraid, I think, at, you know, what I was really like. I didn't want to stay present in that enough because I was afraid of what I'd see, honestly. Maybe I was, I was weak and I was scared and I was, you know, all of these things. I couldn't follow through on anything. And, you know, when I, when I bottomed out and started rebuilding my life and, and kind of, you know, doing that spiritual work and looking back and trying to figure out who I was, ultra running gave me this, this amazing opportunity to say, you're going to find out who you are here right? Like you're, you're going to find it out because you're going to commit to this thing. You're going to put in all of these resources and effort, and you're going to put yourself in a situation where you want to quit. And can you, can you go through it? You know, what, what's on the other side of that? What's really there? Cause it's, it's hard to find that in real life, right? Cause there's always all these different ways you can say, oh, maybe this business isn't the right business and maybe I should move in this way. But it's simple when you're in an ultra, like you got a hundred miles and the clock's ticking. And so I think when I first lined up to do a hundred, it was, it wasn't like this thing where I want to see what I'm made of. It wasn't like that for me. It was more like, I'm not afraid to see what I'm made of. And if it turned out I wasn't good enough or strong enough or, or whatever to, to finish it, I would, it's okay with that. But for the first time, I wasn't afraid of it. I just wanted to see. And I think that when, whenever we approach our weakness from that pure, authentic curiosity, the ironic thing is we, we find that we're strong. We're all strong. We're, we're I, I really think most strong. people think that when these, when everybody lines up for these races, there's an expectation that every one of us is going to win it. Right. Where the actual accomplishment is not only there's training to go to run the race, but lining up on it and, and run it. And, and as soon as the gun goes off, going out to see if you can accomplish that desired effect, which is finishing the race. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean you're a champion through and through just trucking a hundred miles and 30 hours, be it, or in your case, I mean, in the, in the teens, which is well, see, That's the beautiful thing, right? For, for some, and, and as I progressed as an athlete, it did become more about, can I win it? How fast can I do it? But can I win it? Can I be faster than the other guys has very little to offer the, the person, the two, three, five people, whatever that are competing to win. It has very little to offer in contrast to the person, all, everybody else who's lined up to see what they're made of. They want to find out not how fast they are, but what they're made of. Sure, man. The ego is uh, probably one of the worst ones you can get a, they can get a hold of you. Yeah. I mean, and people look at your sport with that ultra, I, <coughs> and same way with the SEAL teams. No, no, we don't sign up and go right into the SEAL teams. There's a, a process, man. You got, there's, there's baby steps, just like to get to an ultra. Anybody who watched, and that's a problem with y'all's, y'all's career path too, because nobody want to watch you train doing that, right? They're just going to watch you run. And there's no money in it. I, I, know, I know, right? So, man, they're, they're there for the for the end result, right? And, they, yeah. and the, the 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 buildup of that, and the reason it's so special to to people who do the the steps and every process of it is because, man, they know when behind that. Yeah. 
you know, the, the people like to celebrate the win thing at the very end of it, man, but with people who are in it, and that's the difference between people, people who compete in it and people who don't. And the, you know, the first part of that, the ego got, when ego drives you, all the, all the money and all that, man, those are just tangible shields you put in front of yourself so people can't get to the, to the plate to see what's really going on inside of you. Like you're scared. That's a lot, a lot of that stuff is, is for that. It's to prevent people from really knowing what's going on on the inside. Like we're all scared, man. Fear. That's the unknown. You're just not trained in it. And then once you start stacking up all that stuff, then you got to defend it. That's further fall. Yeah. You, you it, skip it becomes... those steps with the running thing, man. You, you got to go step by step. There aren't, you can't cheat that. Your body has to be in line with your mind and, and, and back down. When, with all that other stuff, it's, it's doing all the work, not you. That's why the reward is so special with what you guys do. I mean, they, people look at it and they, they can't even comprehend running that, especially the times that you do. But just like with us, we joined the, uh, the Navy. After that, man, there was, a, so there was something else, higher than that, harder than that. And if you, you get good at this, just like you push yourself in the beginning, say, like, hey, I wonder what I can do. That's, if I can do this. That's it. That's a, that's what kind of. I'm assuming that's what led you into. So you did a hundred miler. You did a Leadville, and then you did it again, and then you did it back to back, and then you quadded Boston, which, to, and to and your biggest. And I'm going to say this, and it, 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 it opinions may vary, but I, 48 hour straight running on a treadmill. <laughs> I did a 50 miler on a two mile track. I wanted to hang myself every lap. So I can't imagine staring at a blank wall. I, mean, I guess for for to break it down to the lowest common denominator, put it in layman's terms, I mean, what is that? I mean, why would you do that? Big question, man. It is. <laughs> I, I got to know. I was like, why? Why? What are you looking for? But it does. It does go back to what you're saying, man. Like it, it ultimately, like everything that's accomplished, right? Whether it's climbing Everest or becoming a seal or whatever, I imagine starts at some place where you're like can i do that yes, right sir. like yeah. can i do that uh -oh. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, a, and if, if done correctly it's a scary thought right? I, I, the whole time right it's like every time of it, man. it's uncomfortable right because the fear turns to anxiousness after a yeah. while because they drive off the same uh fuel so in the beginning the fear gets your attention it's just saying you're not trained in it yet if you baby step it through that and that fear slowly turns to anxiousness and that's your body actually telling you that you're a lot of people say hey look i still got that fear crazy fear before this and like now nah, man you're ready Right, you're ready. You know you put the work in. And it's the difference with guys trying to prove to themselves or prove to everybody else. Right? Right, right there. Yeah, and there was a quote in your book, and I actually wrote it down. It says, living on others' perceived expectations will lead to your failure. Yes. That is profound. Yeah. Because I, I actually, after I read that, I looked back, and I'm like, I'm always trying to, uh, to, to appease somebody else. Yeah. I was like, hey, I want everybody else to be impressed with what I'm accomplishing yeah. and falling flat on my face more often than not because I was trying to prove something to them instead of myself. And there's two things. One, they really don't care. Absolutely not. <laughs> they really don't care. No oh, one wakes yeah. up going, Dave, did they finish that run? Like, I gotta check. you know, I mean, like, but I wake up thinking I should have finished that or I'm glad I finished that. That's, that's what matters. And anything that pulls you away from, it's all about being present in the moment, right? It's, it's the pain itself. I always say, man, like change isn't hard. Running a hundred miles isn't hard. It's resisting it that's hard. It's it's being in the middle of a hundred miler and thinking, I don't know if I want to do this or can I finish this next 60 miles or that's hard because you're resisting it. Once you give yourself over to it, like I spent 15 years resisting whether or not I was an alcoholic, resisting whether I would be happier if I changed my life. I knew it. I knew I, I knew I needed to, and I knew I'd be happier. 
but I kept fighting back and I was putting all of that energy into, into resisting it. But once I actually gave myself to it, an amazing thing happens when we do that. We, we have no idea how strong we are until being our strongest is the only option. And that commitment is the magic for everything. And, and I think that speaks to who we are as human beings. It's in our evolution. It's how we survived, you know, how our, our genes made into the next, the next generation and so forth. So when we, when we touch that, it makes us feel something that we're not going to feel in everyday life. So we keep going back to it and we get stronger. We get mentally stronger. We get spiritually stronger. We get physically stronger. So the tasks themselves are really just self-discovery, you know, hiding around a challenge and the challenges need to get bigger and bigger. And you asked about that 48 hour treadmill run. The reason I chose that, that was from my, my Zen Epic 10 year. You know, I, I did 10 Epic events in 2015 to celebrate my 10th year of sobriety. And that was the last one I did. And the reason I did it is because for some reason it just popped into my head. I was just joking. And, and <laughs> yeah. I, when I said it, uh-huh. it scared no, 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 no. me so bad that I was pissed. I was pissed because then I, I knew as soon as that fear landed in there, I knew I had to do it. I would do like an hour max on a treadmill. When I got off, I couldn't stand up. Yeah. It's not because I was, <laughs> my legs were tired. It's just because of the, it's like being in, being on a boat. You get you you sea like legs. Vertigo. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. yeah, the balance is different. But I mean, it's, it's, you live in an environment where you show people what they're afraid of. And then you also show them what they're made of because you push like yourself that. through that. And that's the, that's the ride for us. Right. It's, it's through me, we could, through what we, those of us who go out and do these certain types of jobs, man, we show everybody what we're capable of. It's like if everybody ran a hundred miles, that was normal. It wouldn't be a big deal. Right. It's only a big deal because most people won't do it. But look what we've come, accomplished as a species, just getting to where we're at. And it's just like everyone, you know, the lazy, that's fine. Humans can be lazy too. I mean, hell, it's got one of the deals where you ran so far down the wrong road, you had to run your ass back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You had to pick up the hundred miles. And uh, uh, that's okay because what you drag out of that is the knowledge that that most people in in the environment that you occupy wouldn't understand. It's a perspective. Yeah, I mean, and that's why there are when when you a bad time isn't something that you have to take all the time. It's something that you can take. You come dragging it. We have a saying in the teams: the only easy day was yesterday. Like that's because that. the day is so damn miserable, and you know the next day is going to be miserable too. Don't drag the other stuff in. Our job is supposed to be hard. That's what we signed up for. We're made that way. Yeah. Once you figure out what rolls inside of you and then you learn how to operate it and protect people from it, then it's unstoppable because that's what they see. They don't see anything else. The, they don't, the blood, they don't want to hear about that. You know, it's like, hey, just give me the baby, not the labor pains. That's right. hu- that, That's because every other human's going through their stuff. And we get into this habit, man, like that, that we want to, instead of like seeing someone do something amazing and difficult. And I think maybe in our, in our natural state, I want to believe that we, that which that would inspire us to, to try. But a lot of times what's happening nowadays is people look at that and instead they just want to take the person that's accomplished that and set them up on a pedestal and go, man, I wish I had what you had, or I've never been like that. And that's why like in my, in my personal journey, I've made it an absolute focus to not let anybody, you can't put me on that pedestal, man. My first marathon was 445. You know, I wasn't sitting on a bunch of, of athletic potential. You know what I mean? There. You, we were talking about before we got on the podcast about you can't choose to be in the NBA. You know what I mean? You can't choose to play for the Dallas Cowboys, but you can choose to do something really difficult, like run a marathon or a 50 miler. Even you can choose to do that. And it doesn't require anything other than, than your commitment. 
than getting getting your ass up and, and walking outside. That's it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was telling you was like, when I was talking to a, uh, a, a, some folks, and they were saying, "Hey, how were the challenges? I mean, how do you overcome challenges like in Hell Week?" I was like, "Hey, look, you really want to challenge yourself mentally and physically the same way we did? Map out fifty miles." <laughs> And walk it in fifteen in less than fifteen hours. That's all you got to do, and you will absolutely find out what kind of human being you are, and you will reach it. You will see adversity. You will have obstacles, pain, misery, emotion, all in those fifteen hours. And all you have to do is start walking. And then the the real, I love that man. And and the real, the kind of uh, the 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 crazy thing about that is you get to find out what's stronger, right? The voice in you that wants to quit, or the voice in you that wants to keep going. And the most amazing thing about that is maybe if you stay out there in the running course long enough, you figure out both voices are right. It's the same voice. They're both you. Yeah, people are like, <laughs> they're hey, both you. I say never quit all the time. You must never quit. I'm like, man, that's because I'm always thinking about quitting. Right. I'm like, man, this sucks. <laughs> yes. We should quit. Don't quit. But we do that. We're like, which is the real one? Am I the strong guy or am I the weak guy? Like, that never both. goes away. I mean, people think that's some kind of misconception where you get in there. The minute we oh, no. don't have the butterflies, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. That's when die. I'm getting ready to blow yes, the hell up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm about to run out of talent halfway through this, and it's going to be over, right? Yesterday, you said the, you said, yeah, you said the funniest thing. You're like, you know, he's like, no matter what, while I'm out there, I can find the absolute greatest excuse to quit. Oh, yeah. right? It'll make more sense to me than it will anybody else. Yeah. And that's what we do, man. That's, uh, you know, chaos and pain is a matter of perspective. The person going through it. The yeah. body, body, it simulates, it turns into pleasure with Goggins. Like, why do you do that? She's like, I like pain. No, I like, pl- that's pleasure. I mean, once you get, yeah, it, you can switch the wiring. This thing will assimilate to any environment you put it in. And if everything around you is always chaos and pain, it will find a way to be happy in it. So, so you got, you have arguably the greatest comeback story in Badwater, Ooh. in my opinion. Yeah, I, I have a good one. You know, I think Badwater is, I mean, it's all relative to the runner, but yeah, it's out. Called Badwater, right? Everyone's like, hey, this sucks. <laughs> I would venture to say everybody lining up at Badwater has probably been baptized in fire over and over again and come back from, from craziness. But yeah, man, I had a, um, I mean, I, I, I've devoted a whole chapter in it. I think it was, I think it was like three hours long and reading the audio book. Like it's an amazing story, but I, I was out there. It was in for, for those who haven't read the book, it's in 2015. It was actually my, I think the sixth event of my, uh, my Zen Epic 10, my 10 events. And I lined up at Badwater 2015. I was in the shape of my life. You know, I was, I was, I was ready. I'd, I'd had actually, uh, I DNF there the year before and, and blew up myself trying to, trying to go too hard. And anyway, I, I showed up for this race and, and thought I was really prepared for it. And instead, what Mike Tyson say, everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face, punched in the race from like, Two miles into the race, I was feeling terrible. And my body was just breaking down on me. I was falling asleep while running early into the race. I lost 10 pounds in the first 17 miles of the race. And I was literally falling down onto the, the road. And I like I couldn't stop myself from falling down. I just fall down and I'd like, you know, and that panicking. literally is and, the point. Most people would be like, hey, look, I need to be sitting down. That would probably have been a good response. Exactly. <laughs> When, when it starts happening, like when your body's trying to get you down, like when the knees start giving out, you know, like, what the hell's happening here, man? Yeah. But in that race, though, one of the, the front or the back end is going to suck, right? Or the whole thing, apparently, because yeah. the whole thing. I mean, my, my, my. Hopefully not. Hopefully it's just half of it, bad half of it. 
my my kind of template is typically I, I run myself till I break, and then I come back and I finish strong. I mean, that's just been pretty much. I don't know why it's kind of the story of my life too, I guess, but that's been, I've, I've perpetuated that in my running as well. I, I, I think I kind of do it on purpose without knowing it. Like I'll, I'll run in that. So as I've, as I've uh, grown as an athlete, that's become, you know, I get farther and farther down the road, you know, before I blow up and come back. So I've, I've started finishing, you know, better and better in the standings, but at, uh, at Badwater, it just, it all went wrong from almost the first step. And I found myself in, in dead last place. There's nobody behind me. The only people behind me had dropped out. I mean, I had an epic break from reality. I was hallucinating. I was describing everything to my crew who is, I was writing it down because I kind of, I knew that I'd probably want to remember this for future reference, but the white line, so in Badwater, it's 180 degrees on the road. It's about 125 degrees outside. It's about 180 degrees on the road. And you have to run on the white line. Otherwise your shoes melt. You've probably heard this from, from Dave, but the white line started spinning around and like going doing up in a, the desert. Like, yeah. All right, man, yep, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually broke open and grew a mouth. Yeah, right. And it started talking to eyes. me. <laughs> and eyes. Yeah. And it would like, you know, appear on my pacer's jacket and then break apart and then appear on a road sign. And it was talking to me. And it was telling me some, can I cuss on this podcast? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me some fucked up shit. You know, like, you know, you don't deserve to be out here. And, you know, this is the, this is, this race is for the toughest in the world. And you're, you're a fake, you know, you don't belong out here. And, just quit, just go home and all this really negative, dark shit that I hadn't, I hadn't dealt with anything like that in years, you know? And it became like, I, I feel like, you know, I always have this in the back of my mind because I've done so many of these things. I have this hope, like in the back of my mind, I know if I can just ride out the storm, ride through the pain, I'm going to hit whatever, wherever that comeback comes and I'm going to ride it and I finish strong. I'm usually, it's not uncommon for me to like drop my pacers late in a the race. They can't hold on to me because I've just come back to life. And in this one, I couldn't come back to life. And it was just got more hopeless and hopeless. And I got deeper and deeper in. And I talked about in the book, there's this moment where Chris Kosman, the race director, he came out and I was like barely walking one mile per hour up town's pass. And I wanted out. I mean, I was, I had given up hope that I was going to finish this thing. I was only trying to get far enough down the road. So it wasn't a horrific embarrassment when I dropped out, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I just wanted to be like 40 yeah, miles. Yeah, oh, that's kind of dropped in 90. Sounds a lot better than dropped in mile 20. <laughs> and he gave me an out. I was talking to my pacer and I was like, man, it's okay if I quit. Right. Like I can't, you know, I just can't, can't do it. It's not here. And he's like, of course it's okay. If you quit, he's like, are you going to be okay with that? I said, no, no. In fact, once I get back in a car, I'm going to want to be back out here fighting. And so Chris came up and he said, you know, like, hey, man, you should probably pull the plug. <laughs> you know, every, everybody DNFs at Badwater. It happens. And I was like, do I have to give you an answer now? And he said, yeah. And I wrote about it in the book, man. It's, it's, it was, I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, all right, I'm out. Only that was every intention I planned on doing only I didn't say that. <laughs> I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, see you on Whitney. And I was shocked. Yeah, like bitches. I was surprised. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was not shocked. I was mad. And my pacer Nico was, he was like, dude, you would just tell me for 20 minutes that you're quitting. What was that all about? So, but that was it. That was just slamming that door, right? Like burn that bridge behind you. Like I, I knew in that moment, like part of me, was smarter than my brain, right? It was like, dude, if you do this, if you if you just took that barrage from your subconscious, you know, and you DNF'd last year here, if you do that again, 
that's not a place I want to live. That's not who I want to be. That's not what I want to be made of. So we got to figure it out. And, and that's when, when we started fighting and just, I ended up like falling asleep while running, counting my steps. Like I never had the comeback. I mean, I had a couple little small ones, but I mean, I never had the big rally and it was like counting my steps one through 50, just trying to get through and reciting song lyrics and anything I could do to keep the hallucinations at bay. And I don't want to do too many spoilers on the book, but I did end up finishing it. And it was my fastest bad water ever. Yeah, man, you didn't close the door. You went through one. Gold is uh, forged in fire. Yeah. Like all the impurities get burned out. The most precious stones we have on the planet are forged in pressure. Yeah. Right. So when you, when you go to a place to where you, fa- you found your path, right. And, and when you're running on it, it's kind of like taming a wild horse when you're about to break through to another side. And when that thing starts talking to you and hallucinating, and it's a tough thing when the body quits on the mind mm-hmm. because the mind's not taking the, the pain, really. It's just letting you know what's going on with the vehicle. It's like driving cross country to sing. It'll let you know, like, hey, man, we got tires getting low kind of deal. Right. Right. But at no point in time will, will, will you ever pull your foot off the pedal. That's because That's it. it'll that. shift stuff to where it needs to go just to get through. It's, this thing's designed to take punishment for this, and punishment is relative. Like crossing through that other thing, and, went, and you didn't start out this knowledgeable with this much perspective and, and wisdom, actually, and how you carry yourself and how you communicate with everybody. You didn't didn't do, that didn't happen when you were on making millions of dollars. Didn't didn't do that. You can't you can't achieve that kind of wisdom from from that kind of life. You only read about it. And when you go out and you put yourself in the fires, like every day when we step up, man, throw that uniform on the fire starts. And like just just like firefighters, same way with us, man. It's our our fires in front of us comes in different descriptions and when you're standing in there man like hey let's go get back in the fire right let's go get let's go toughen ourselves up let's pure the some of these these this bad stuff out of here and that all those voices when you're going through that that's a bad stuff saying i'm fixing to leave if you don't stop this yeah that, and you want them out and once you burn through that it can't come back you can't because you've already been through it like all the ink we have on our body man is the notes when we've had our asses whipped in combat so if you, I step into something I'm not ready for. If you can't look down at myself, you can't do this to me, man. I don't sweat you. Yeah. And every time we pass through one of those, man, we we take that, we take the knowledge with us, and the bad stuff stays in the back. Not, you realize it wasn't bad. It was just that test. There are no more written tests when we get out of school. There's only the hard times, right? That fuel to make sure you're paying attention during the good ones. If you weren't, when you get hit, you'll go further back. And when you get in these upper level classes like you're in, man. It, that, that final exam is tough, right? You just got like, I got to go, go, go. <laughs> but when you come out with the, on, the, on the other side, it's not a degree on your wall, man. It's, in, it's a relative because you, you figured something out. Passing the body through that, man, always teaches you know, something that you can pass on. That's why people can sit there and listen to you. And you run, right? But people will sit there and listen to you talk about anything because you, that, that space and time when there's nothing out there but the voices in your head. It's like when we're underwater. Stuff like that, man. That's all you got. Oh, okay, we're going to be here for a while. What should we talk about? <laughs> Let's get stuff out, man. Let's get that rough stuff out first, and then we'll go through the rest of the stuff, and then the everything in between. And each time you you dress up to go into the fire, man, you come out different. Yeah, man. It's. I mean, thanks for including me in the in the category of some of the things you've been through, because. You know, I don't, I don't know, man. I never had anybody shooting at me and shit when I was out there on the race course. Because you're a fast runner. I'm, I'm, I'm a horrible runner. It's a well-known fact. But an amazing thing happens when we become present in our bodies and present in our life. And I spent so much time and effort trying to avoid pain. You know what I mean? Like 
And the ironic thing being I was collecting it. You know, I was just putting it in a wheelbarrow and carrying it with me everywhere I fucking went. And just more and more pain, emotional pain. You it know, snug up on you. Yeah. And, 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 and then you realize like, man, I've been carrying this for me forever. And when I became present in my life and, you know, the Buddha said that you hold your pain like a child. That's how you end your suffering, right? You see, you, you, you look at it and you, and you stop hiding from it. And that's true in like a spiritual way, an emotional way. And it's true in a real way too. Like being on the race course, when you, when you're present for the pain, when I start hiding from the pain or trying to make it go away or distract me, that's why I don't like do the videos or anything on the treadmill. When I'm trying to distract myself from pain, it's winning. It's going to win. It's, it's better than I am. You know, I can only distract myself from it for so long. But when I sit in it and say, this is it, this is it, I can live in this. And I, and I say that in my mind. I'm like, I could do this. If I'm on a treadmill 48 hours, I'll say, I can do this for a month. I, what else you got? Fuck you. Yeah, that's, a, that's what you said about Leadville. It's like, shit, it, I do this all week. Yeah. yeah it's a transition from. And that takes the, see, it takes the power from the pain, man. Now all of a sudden you still feel it. I wish I haven't developed the technique to make the pain go away. You still feel it, but it just doesn't matter. See, that's where people, most people can't get to that threshold. Yes. You have such a great ability to, to articulate that in your book to say, hey, look, you know, it's, it's coming. Get ready. But then you also say, hey, look, it, eventually you can only hurt so much. It's not going to get any worse or you're going to pass out one or the other. So, hey, it's a win-win situation. You're not going to die from this. Exactly. Yeah. Well, in, it's the difference between being a rider and, and driving, right? You're driving your own bike and you're driving your vehicle. You, yeah, there's the standards of what it can handle. And then there's what you know you can push it to do. And every vehicle is different, right? And then when you somebody else driving it, or, and you could pack stuff on all day long. And it, it just it's like sometimes people keep that bad stuff and everything on the luggage racks. And they're dragging their shit into the other vacation. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. The kid scratched his knee the other day. He was crying. And he was like, well, hey, Dad, why don't you cry when you scratch your knee? I was like, well, I used to. Well, I don't anymore because I know that pain won't kill me. And I know that it'll heal up. So when yeah. you push yourself through some pain and you realize yeah. that it's just like the, ex the extent of that pain and whatever is causing it, you need to think of that as like you're shifting gears. That's yeah, how you know you're about to go pain. into a different drive, right? That's the fuel and everything compressing in there to hit that turbocharger to push you to that next one. And that you need to pay attention to that because that's what that's what opens you up. And once you realize that, like, oh, I've been in this pain before. I know it's going to take me to this, but it's not going to stop the vehicle. I'm going to yeah. keep because I'm a, I know what this thing's capable of. And that's the difference between driving your body and letting the body just kind of get whatever it wants. Floating sure. around, it can run on a full tank and then it drops down a little bit. It's telling you that it wants some more fuel. You, you don't have to really put fuel in it until it's way past the empty sign. Till that thing's burning red hot, stuff falling off of it, and I mean, you know, smoke coming out the ass end, both sides probably, water out the front and puking and crapping everywhere, man. But it's like. Hold on, man. She got a little bit left in her, dude. And you just <laughs> throttle down. And when you when you get the other end of that, man, you put all the fluids back in it. You let it rest for a little bit. You're like, well, I, I know what we can do in her now. I love that analogy, man, because like if the <laughs> the uh, the human body is like if you did have that race car, but only unlike a real race car, every time you run this one empty, it gets stronger. It gets faster. It gets more horsepower. Like, that's amazing, right? What, a, what an incredible machine we are. And, and like that example of like the, your kid with the knee, like they're, they're not crying from the pain. Like they're forgetting about the pain two seconds later. They're crying because they don't know what's happening because they're trying to figure it out. It's the emotional pain. And that's what happens to us in everything we do, right? It's, not, seen it. it's not the pain. It's, it's the, the trying to figure out why is it happening or what's going on. And I think that's where, where you were heading with that, that question with about change. 
like why don't people change? Is that where mm-hmm. you were going with that? And I think that's uh, it. But man. they can't like, get their head around what it takes to do absolute change. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I, yeah, I changed my diet. Big, you know, that ain't going to cut it. Because they instantly engage in minimizing what their pain is, right? They never feel their pain. They never stop to think, what is, where is my life going right now? What, what is the consequence of not changing? You know, what, what am I, what am I doing to myself? What am I leaving on the table? What, what compared to who I can be, you know? And if, if you hold your pain long, if that pain becomes real, then you change. But instead you go, oh, I, I don't need to change. I just need to like eat a little better. I need to do this. Like, well, that's fine if that's all you want to do. But something tells me you're probably not just totally happy with everywhere. You're, most people have a gnawing feeling. I did. I'll just speak for me. I had a gnawing feeling my whole life that I was leaving something on the table, that, that this wasn't who I was made to be, that I wasn't made to eke my way through life at 320 pounds and sell mattresses out of stores and, and just get by and raise my kids and die. Like, that is not what life is meant to be. Nothing about anything I've read or heard about tells me that's what life is. So that was gnawing at me until I accepted that living my current life was preventing me from being who I could be or who I wanted to be. I wasn't going to change. I wasn't going to change, but we, we don't do that. Instead we say, ah, oh, it could be worse. You know, it could be worse. That's complacency. Yeah. And a lot of people, I mean, they, people tell you what, how, what makes them happy. And you're like, well, if it makes them happy. It'll make me happy. That's not how it works either. I just say, are you really happy? Yeah. I got to want, it's, it's a, do you think that your success is predicated off the fact that you're like, I'm going to, you set that, like the marathon, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm, I'm absolutely going to do that. And your transition to where you are now was accepting the fact that if I don't do all in, I won't be able to run that marathon. And then just kind of grew from there. Yeah. I think that, um, in a way, yeah, like the, the running gave me, I needed a break, right? I needed something to come in. I needed a bomb to go off in my life, right? I needed some sort of break from the everyday way I was living life. Cause I wasn't a 320 pound alcoholic by accident, right? Like it, it wasn't it like, practice to get there, right? it took a lot of work <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't my business failing or my childhood or any of these other things that caused it. It was just, it was, it was how I thought about those things. You know, it was my brain that needed to change. And so running gave me this, this kind of opportunity to just dive into something totally new. And along with that running gives you this unique opportunity to, push your body to, to deal with pain. I'd never willingly inflicted pain on myself before, you know, so you put yourself in these situations and you realize, oh, well, I can do a one mile run. You know, I can do a three mile run. I can do a half marathon. And you know, that's big. Like I never want to, to discount that. Like the fact that you can build it all the way up to, you know, all these crazy things is just a, a, a sign of how strong we are. The human machine is, but those barriers were huge. I needed that. But I think the reason why it worked so well for me is because I made the whole thing about self-discovery, man. I, I didn't want a collection of medals. I didn't want belt buckles. You know, those things are cool. I look back at them now and, and I, I'm like blown away that I was able to do it. Oh, that's for everybody else to remember too, your yeah. accomplishments. But I, I wanted to know that, that I could be that kind of person, you know, that that, that was there for me, that, that I was wrong. I was wrong. All those years. That well, that was more gonna, important to me. Yeah, the body's going to assimilate into it, whatever it is you're doing, right? If, the, if it gives the mind pleasure in any environment. So if you, if, but if you look over and all of a sudden that gives the mind pleasure, and the, you do have to shift the body. 
the body's got to change into that kind of realm. It can't can't be a, the accountant body in the runner's world, right? Both of those have to go through. Usually starts with the mind first, and then if it gives you joy. A lot of people call that transition. It's painful, but it's actually pleasure. It's that's the pleasure in that environment, right? That's that's what no, people post like post pain because if you look at any time you've been in an absolute misery, when you're, once you're out of it and you're so much happier, you, you thrive. And yeah, I don't think people actually you really can't appreciate how much pain you're putting yourself through. And you know what that illustrates to me? Because you're spot on, man, hundred percent. It just shows you that the pain isn't real. Right. Like it's not real. I mean, it, it's real in the sense that you're getting the stimulus from your nervous system. Your legs actually do hurt. Yeah, your muscles you know are that, you're, that you're doing it. But the emotional part, how you think about the pain isn't real. You're fighting against those voices because all they want to do is shut you down. Mm-hmm. They just want to go. They do. There's an easier way, dude. It's a defense you know, mechanism. Just, just like, sit hey. down. There's an easier way. But it's all fake. It's all crap. It's all limits. It's all bullshit. Because as soon as you hit that line. The finish line is gone. Yeah, absolutely. If it was real, you'd be emotionally, I'd be fucked up and emotionally <laughs> scarred by now, right, from all that shit. But it's not. It's gone. It's just It's just bullshit. You know has, who has that drilled into them automatically are women. That's why they can have a baby. Yeah. And go through all that. And then yeah, a no, couple no. months later, be like, hey, you ready to do this again? Like, <laughs> man, you, you're ripping my head off. And I, like, this is the worst thing I ever had. It's, it's mind blowing. When I watched my wife give birth, I was like, the, when they took, she took that pain. I was scarred from that. I know. <laughs> exactly. And that pain that you're feeling is, is literally, it's not pain. It lets you know your body's telling your mind what stage it's in. Right. And then the transformation, when it's over, it goes back. And, and then. Yeah, like, man, the reward, exactly. You know, the, with the baby, man, that's the reward. It's, and with anything that we accomplish through that pain, it, there's a reward there. there and, and when you do make that shift into any environment, like if you're ready to get out of one and go into the other, there's going to be that shift. And it's not pain. Pain is the fuel for our willpower. And it, it, that's what drives you. It lets you know that, you're, that, that your body's coming with your mind. It's, catch, it's just got to catch up. We I die see, without that's pain. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I think that that spiritual pain is kind of the same way or mental pain or whatever you want to call it. Like it's really obvious for us when, you know, I tore my Achilles a couple months ago and it was, I was obvious that I did that because I was getting lots of pain that wasn't there before. <laughs> and, and it didn't, right. it's not working. it didn't go away when I sat down and it wasn't, it was still the next day. But yet like, and this is why I'm like also a big proponent as extreme as I went on the physical side of pushing my body and doing these runs, I've gone on the meditation side and the taking care of myself, like the, the warrior monk. I write about that in the book, like the balance between that warrior and the monk. If I'm all warrior and I'm just making everything a fucking battle, like I'm not going to find much happiness there. And if I'm all monk, you know, I can't bring my monk to bad water because he's going to be sitting on the side of the road meditating, you know, and, and not not trudging forward. But I think if we we get to the place in our lives where you know, we, we have no mental calmness, you know, we're stressed all the time. We're frustrated. We can't sit still in our own skin. We have to distract ourselves constantly. Like that's pain too. That's, that's pain that, that we're not spiritually fit, you know, and we need to tend to that too. Like, because that's our body's telling us something. It's telling us something that we need to chill the fuck out too. We need to relax. We need to be calm. We, you, you can't like, we, you can be anything you want, but you can't be everything you want. It's like when we get sick, that's detention. I call that detention. That means we've pushed ourselves too far, right? Yeah. And so some kind of, or we forgot to fill something up, right? And um, when, when we break down like that, and when, you're right, you push yourself into that, that pain, pleasure threshold, for, and that's where that, there is a, uh, a mental opening, right? Spiritual opening. And then when we break something, you know, the body's like, oh, full break stop right now and mm-hmm. then that, that constant pain is like that red light like hey yeah. it's still jacked up down here and the problem is, is 
that's when the the uh, the mental like the PTSD that we we got is because like your mind's like, hey, get up, we're we're supposed to be doing this, and and it's not working. So the mind will go into that phase of shutdown, right, until it heals. And when it does, the mind will have hey, then the body kind of has to drag the mind back out of that one, right? So you yeah. get back up and you start pushing to say, all right, mind, get out of that that funk. It's uh, it's golden, I, uh, you know. It's kind of like there's an emergency router system that shut that disconnects those two for a second yeah. just to see if it's it's viable and then it'll reconnect the mind and then you just start going yeah and that and when you you're stronger after that even you know after the breaks and stuff like that don't push yourself a lot, a lot of guys say they run and they puke or do i'm like man that's kind of bad right that's when your fluids are overflowing you're you running it every high. day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, just back up just a breeze man but um it is it's designed to push like that but only in in like it's not designed to be a war all the time no, no. And mentally, exactly. physically, the same thing, right? Like if we're always busy in our brain, it's going to fucking push back. Well, and if we're always like, pushing on oh, the body, yeah, it's... poetry or you, you garden or you... Yeah. They, that's that same thing. Every story that's ever been written, every movie that's been played out is waiting to be relived again in our generation. Yeah. Like to go out there and see what the next version, because we, we are the next version of our father. Like my, my, my kid, that's, the next, that's me right there. Just all the doors are shut. I'm trying to see which way I'm going to go. You know, but the older me is there to guide me just in case. And when you when you find something that one of those stories that interests you, the fear lets you know, hey, I don't know anything about it, but I'm kind of interested in it. So let's let's get in there and start doing that. And That's it's true, the ride. Man. It's the journey. There's that battle between two wolves that lives inside of us. One's the, the evil one, rage. Yeah. Hey, buddy, man. Yeah. Which one of those you feed? We feed like both that. of them, right? Did you, did you ever hear the one about the, the son and the and the the father in the garden? Is that, is that what you The butterfly? Where with the caterpillar? No, about why or the young bull, old bull. This no, this is <laughs> why do you ask two dogs fucking? <laughs> no, that's a different one. Yeah. This is um, he goes, Dad. You know, we're gardeners. You know, why are we training combat every day? What are we doing? We're gardeners. And the father says, Well, it's better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener at war. Boom. Might have steal that. Write that down. It's not mine. Oh, well, oh, yeah. I'm going to need that one. That yeah. was pretty I think good. That one's been around for a long time. You've got all these greatest combos. I mean, you've got to ask yourself. I mean, what, what's next? What's what now? I know, I know you've got, you're doing the race across America. That's coming up. Yeah. Big bike race. And then you were telling me that you're trying to break the, to break the record on the power output bike for 12 hours straight. I got some plans. <laughs> God, buddy. You know, I mean, I, so I kind of took a step back away from ultra running, you know, not running, but just competitive ultra running a couple years ago. Uh, my body was starting to, you know, get, get to show the signs, you know, the wear and the tear. And, and I feel like, you know, I, I found a lot of what I was looking for out there. I'm not done discovering myself by any stretch and pushing and, and chasing down fear, but I think I've, I've singularly approached it through running for a long time. So now I'm looking at branching out. I've been training, um, boxing and MMA. Um, I was actually training. I was supposed to fight in the world masters amateur championship. That's when I tore my Achilles 10 days before that. But yeah, I'm 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 going to be racing my bike a lot this year. Um, hope to do the solo ram next year. Qualify for that. I'm doing the Leadville mountain bike race, and you know, I'm just trying to like. I think you know we're moving in the direction of growth. You know, we're climbing or sliding. We were yeah. talking about that earlier. Like, there's yeah. no standing still on a mountain. So, but just bringing happiness along for the ride too, though, not making it like some self-flagellating. You know, it's supposed to be fun, right? yeah, <laughs> it's supposed yeah. to be. Yeah, it's supposed to be uncomfortable at times and yeah. scary, but but yeah, fun. You know, everyone and, go, loves that rush. They go to scary, you know, uh, movies. Go go to haunted houses. They love that little rush. You can put yourself in that by putting it in a situation like we all do. Yeah, for that ride. 
And then I just want to throw it out there, man, too, because, you know, a lot of times, you know, when I talk, there's, there's people out there that are struggling with addiction and stuff like that. And, you know, so I just, if anyone's out there and, and you're, yeah, I, I would say the, the hardest part about addiction is, is that resistance to change. I talked about like the thought that got me off my ass and got me moving was, um, I bet you people who aren't alcoholics don't stay awake late at night wondering if they're alcoholics. You know, yeah. so if you're, if you're fighting it and you're resisting it, just, just give into it, man. Reach out. You know, I, I always put my, my information out there, man. You can email me, David, we are superman.com. I'll help you. I'll talk to you. I'll help you get treatment, whatever, man. Or just give you a, a friendly, you know, Nudge. I respond to, yeah. to messages, you know, so no, I appreciate you can that. change That's everything cool. about yourself. You can change everything about who you are. I live in proof sitting right here. Yeah, amen. I mean, thank you so much for coming on, man, for those words of wisdom, brother. Truly. It's God been bless. an honor. This has been, you know, man, I've gotten very lucky in my life. I've got to hang out with some really cool people and do a lot of cool shit that I never would have expected to. And this is by far and away one of the coolest ever. So thank you guys for inviting me out here. Right, pleasure, brother. Come back anytime. He ran, he ran up to me when I was doing Leadville for the first time. Level 100 race, first time. Oh, yeah. He came, he came, he came running. He just started chatting me up because I was out there by myself. And as we were transitioning through a single track where like, he would have to get up in front or I had to get up in front as we were traversing the side of this mountain. So you were out in the middle of nowhere and some random dude looked like that walked up to you? No, we were in the race. <laughs> <laughs> you were in the race. What? I, I miss you. Anyway, I looked down and he had Badwater 135 tattooed on his leg. Mm. And... I, I once we got right beside each other again, I started. I was like, "Say, hey, man, you, you ran the bad way." He's like, "Yeah, I just and we just finished." In my mind, as I'm chatting him up, he starts. I feel like I'm running next to an, an ultra pro, which he was, and, and in my mind, I'm like, "I'm killing this fucking race. Mm. I'm, I'm out. I'm doing well. I feel like crap. I'm in a lull right now, and I, I really just want to sit down. But obviously, if I keep trekking with this kid, I'm solid. Well." I come to find out he wasn't officially in the race. He was just running. He 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 didn't he he didn't finish, and uh, I didn't finish either that year. And the next year, I saw him at the fifty mile turnaround when I was pacing Josh, and I was like, I was like, hey, bro, man, what's going on?" He's like, "How'd you do?" I was like, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do too well." He's like, "I was like, yeah, when we were running last year together. I didn't have, to, I didn't have the heart to tell you weren't gonna make it." <laughs> well, that's like, good. No, man, oh, you and I can get that. along famously. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Thanks for. You know, getting me through the first 40 miles, I I couldn't have done that without you. Anyway, so we stayed in touch, you know, because I'd see him at other races at, at, um, throughout the community. He's definitely got some perspective now. I mean, some bouts of wisdom, so he's been through the fire, man. It was good to have him in here. So it's amazing, yeah, because he tied. That, the dude is happy. Yeah. That's what I admire most about him, the shit he's been through from start to finish from the – you got to see the pictures of that guy when he was 320 pounds. It just, you don't even recognize him. Yeah. Until now, where he takes... Man, I couldn't even imagine... Uh, how tall was he? That's a lot, 320 pounds. <laughs> well, he's like 5'8 or 5'9, yeah. I think. He's not... Yeah, he's just under 6 foot. Man, how, how much is Goggins when he started dropping all that weight? 3-something? Yeah, and they... they I mean, they... they Those are some it. incredible shifts them guys take from being in like that to what they are now. So Goggins is 
perspective on life is sure misery, and he, he, he you know, he thrives on misery and, and pain. happiness in there. Yeah. That's where he, that's where, alone. That's where he loves to live. Yeah, there's not a lot of people yeah, in there. Dave's not like <laughs> Dave. David's he's everybody else. Yeah, he's us. I mean, you know, Goggins up on you know grid four. Over a, here. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then David Clark's. <laughs> I love you, Goggins. Like, yeah, I love you, Dave. Goggins, two five, but Clark's the guy that anybody can transition into, and they just they just set that mindset. But as I mean, all in, you're a Buddhist, vegan, which, you know, we'll never do that. Vegan. I don't know about the religious thing. <laughs> when I was reading his book, the best part about his book is his, his ability to articulate at the ground level to the reader and have you understand sure. it. I mean, that'd be the best thing. That's ultimate power, man. If you had the ability to explain anything to anyone. Dude, it's hilarious because when he starts talking about his hallucinations... You can, you can, like, I, I know exactly. I, I relate I to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. He just continues to push the threshold. He'll never go back to where he came from. No, I can't. can't. It's the same way with God. Like, if you want to ever slow down, he can't stop running either. Did today's episode ignite a new fire in you? If there's one thing that I've learned, it's that sharing your story is a powerful thing. There are people out there that need a kick in the ass every now and again, and your story could be the thing to change their life forever. Take a minute to share your story at teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the share your story button in the menu so we can encourage you along the way. Your story just might be shared on one of our upcoming episodes. Hey, and do you think this show could benefit someone else? Go leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, It helps other people discover the show so we can keep uh, encouraging others to just never quit. So now that we got two ultra two ultra Davids on here, well, it's the Goggins and the Clark, right? And so, hey, thanks for uh, bringing that dude on here, man. I I know I learned a lot from him. I know everybody else will too. And uh, speaking of y'all, thank y'all for bringing us back time after time, and we can't thank you enough. We love you. And uh, as long as y'all keep bringing us back, we'll uh, we'll keep bringing these awesome guests on here. Hey, and bro, man, I'm glad you're here. We're gonna love you. We've been waiting for this for a long time. What do you think? I enjoyed it. That David Clark story is inspiring. I mean, it's like it's it's Goggins turned on its head, 180 up. But you know, everybody's they're, they're pushing towards the same end state, just internal happiness. You got to love that and respect it. Thanks for all the listeners to for picking us back up. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to our next guest and uh, running alongside you like we did when we was younger. As always, always bringing all the way back. God bless. We're out.